Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is the last of this chapter, and so we're going to be leaving this uh, uh, little series of latter times ministries. We started with the beginning of the chapter, knowing that in the latter times, this is what it's going to be like. And so we're just kind of looking at what Paul was warning Timothy of how things were going to be like and how to, to uh, uh, accommodate and how to um, offset the things that were going to be taking place in the latter times. And so we're looking through that. I've enjoyed this. But this is the last verse, verse number 16 of the chapter. And so we're done with it after tonight. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse number 16 first, and then we'll pray and go back and, and pick it up from verse number 15. But write down verse number 16, our text. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you would, again, illuminate it to our hearts, help us to understand, uh, help us to put it in the proper context, in the proper uh, surrounding, and uh, give the sense as your word encourages, encourages us to, and, and help us to understand the meaning thereof. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to know where it applies and how that we can apply it and how we can... Um, uh, prepare and operate and shine in the latter days, as I believe we are in. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight, give us wisdom, direction, guidance from your word, as you always do. And, but, Lord, it's a closed book without that, without your help, and without your illumination. So, Lord, we pray that, like the psalmist prayed, open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, help us as we look to your word tonight, in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Last week we ended up with verse number 15, and I'd like to read both of those verses together because they're, they're similar in, in topic there. In verse number 15, he says, Meditate upon these things, that these things he's talking about, of course, is the Bible. He's talking about uh, the, the, the Bible, this entire last several verses, about a paragraph or so. He's dealing with our handling or our, uh, our reaction or our uh, uh, attitude towards the Word of God, towards the Bible. He says, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. We talked about, you know, profiting that others can see. And he goes on into the same vein of, of topic here in verse 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. As we continue with this whole passage that deals with our relationship, our attitude of dealing with the Bible, with the scriptures, we'll finish the thought and the passage tonight with the last verse of this chapter. Not only will you be prof your, your profiting will appear to all, but your choices and your position will rescue and redeem your human life here on earth and affect others in the sense that they will be blessed by your life. And it's not talking about being saved from an eternal hell is being saved from your sins when it says uh, if you do this you'll save yourself and them that hear these talking about a, a, a salvation from the devastation of sin uh, how would you be saved when he says 
in doing this, if you follow the instructions here, your attitude towards the Bible here, if you do this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. How, how so? Well, your pathway affects those around you. The decisions that you make, are, they're, they're vitally uh, uh, attached, intricately attached to those around you. The decisions that you make make a difference for you, for your family, for your future, for your attitude, for your well-being, for you and your family and your friends or those in your circles, at your employment, at your school, in your community. What you do affects those that are around you. The ten righteous souls in Lot's day would have saved the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember when the Lord was dealing with Lot and he was uh, uh, bargaining with him. He says, judgment's coming. And Lot says, well, or, or Abraham says, you wouldn't destroy the city if there'd be 50 righteous, would you? And he says, that be far from thee. And it, what a great statement. He says, the judge of the earth, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Yeah, he'll do right. And so God says, well, no, if there's 50 righteous people in that wicked place, then it would stay the judgment of God. And he says, okay, well, how about 40? And he goes down and goes down till he comes to 10. And, and that was it. He went down. To if there were just 10 people that were saved, just 10 people in that entire area that was saved and that was righteous, that was trying to uh, do God's will in that area, it would have saved them from specific and intense judgment. Rahab's choice to line up with God's people, save her family out of the city of destruction. You remember Jericho? She lived on the wall. We, we saw a little bit of that uh, uh, Friday what is that? What, Friday night in the, the movie. I appreciate Brother Paul and them getting behind that and, and allowing us to see a movie like that. Wonderful. And uh, talked about Rahab the harlot, how what she did actually saved her and her family. They were, they were saved from destruction because of her choices. Um, every notable Bible character of faith served as a salt and a light to the community that they were a part of, whether it be Noah. And his, he and his family were saved because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Moses, what God did through Moses, uh, rescued an entire nation from slavery. Joseph and what he did. And uh, going through that uh, series on Wednesday night, Brother Lamar has been doing an excellent job there, you know, talking about the life of Joseph. Hey, what he did and his choices and his fidelity to God affected so many people, not just his and not just his families, but the nation of Egypt and the future Israelite nation there. Daniel, what Daniel did. Folks, every, every Bible character that was... Um, uh, serving as a, a faithful servant, following the Lord, they served as a preservative to those around them. They, in essence, they saved those around them from a physical destruction somehow. Every head of their home in this congregation has played out this role of the saving of their loved ones. Uh, whether it be a man or a woman, and, and you are the one that's calling the shots in your home, listen, God has placed those underneath your care, and you're the one that are making, you're making the decisions that will either make it easier on them or make it more difficult on them in their lives. You are the salvation, or you're the one, by your choices, by what you do, is going to save those loved ones from Intense grief 
or not. It's up to you. It's, it's where you're at. Every mother who cares for their child and their home can play the part of a savior to their kids, of their, of their uh, loved ones, of her loved ones. Now tonight, we're continuing with verse number 16. He says, look at it and read it with me. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Saving yourself and others. It's the salvation. It's not the salvation of your soul or the salvation of a human life. It's the salvation that's talking about, uh, uh, you remember verse 15, he talks about profiting from the word. Last week we, we talked about if we follow the, the word of God, if we obey the word, if we follow the word of God, then our profiting, our profiting will appear to all. That means your well-being, your being blessed will be shown, will be, will be a beacon to others. Saving doesn't always refer to the salvation of a person's soul. Sometimes it's saving us from a bad conscience, as in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Now see, preacher, baptism saves you. That's why you have to be baptized to be saved, because it says right there, baptism saves us. No, read the text here, the whole verse. Baptism doth now also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. It doesn't cleanse your sin. What is baptism? Baptism is just me obeying the Lord. And when I obey the Lord, I have a good conscience. If the Lord tells me to do something and I'm disobedient, then every time I see him, every time I uh, have to do with him, every time I'm, I'm uh, in his presence, I feel bad. And that's true with any child, any parent, any authority, any, any worker. You know, if you're following the authority's uh, will and his uh, their their uh, direction, their directive in your life, then you're 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 good. You, you can you can look that person in the eye. You can you have a good relationship. If I tell my kids, hey, by the time I get home, uh, grass must be cut or whatever's going on, and I say this, you know, this is your job. Do it. When I get home, if they have not done that, if they have not accomplished that, if they've they've sloughed off and whatever, I get home, they hide, or I get home and they're right there saying, there it is, Dad. See, look, I did it, and. Uh, They'll say, uh, you know, I'll be proud of that. They've got a good conscience. That's what baptism is. It, it saves you from a bad conscience. That's what it says there. So it's not the saving of your soul, but it saves us from a, a, a bad conscience. We have the answer of a good conscience when we follow the Lord, uh, as it says in that verse. So according to the text, how can we save ourselves and others? And this is talking about saving ourselves from the destruction of sin, from the, from the devastation of disobedience. How do you save yourself and others around you? That's what it says. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. There's three things in this verse. How do you do that? Number one, you take heed unto thyself. Number one, check yourself. Okay? Check. This is checking yourself. What does it mean to, to take heed unto thyself? It means, hey, pay attention to where you're at with the Word of God. Are you following the Word of God? Are you doing what God says? You know, if the, if the, the Bible says you as a believer, you're supposed to be pure in your life, and you're not pure. Check yourself. 
See whether or not you, you, you match up to the Word of God. If the Bible says you're supposed to study, to see thy, the, the show thyself approved unto God, are you studying? Are you, are you faithful in you know, uh, staying in the Word of God? The Bible says pray without ceasing. Are you praying? Is, how's your prayer life? Are you quit about that? Because nothing's happening in your prayer life. So, so check yourself. So the first thing he says is take heed unto thyself. Check yourself. Sin destroys. Regardless of, we're talking about saved or lost people, sin destroys. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18, verse number 4. Behold, all souls are mine, and the souls of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, God says, it shall die. Whoever sins, they're going to face the consequences of death and destruction and misery because of their disobedience, of their uh, rebellion. Whoever it is, it doesn't matter who it is. Whether it's a, a Sunday school teacher or whether it's a, a drug addict on the street, the soul that sins is going to be affected by that sin. This means the believer or the unbeliever doesn't matter. Sin destroys, folks. It's more than knowing this truth. It's applying the truth. It's walking in it. It's obeying it. Keeping yourself from sin. It's not enough to just include the doctrine and the teaching and the biblical truths and the, the principles. Just worry about what the Bible teaches. That's not what he's saying. The first thing, to save yourself from grief and heartache and, and, uh, and uh, misery in your life is you check yourself. Take heed unto thyself. It's not enough just to include the teaching of the Bible. You can have all of that. You can be accurate and precise in your Bible understanding. You can be a, a Bible teacher. You can be a preacher. You can be a professor of the Word of God in a Bible college and be off here because it's not merely in the hearing or the knowing or even the teaching of God's Word. It's in the doing of it, in the following it, in the applying it. Obeying the Word of God is the most important thing. That's what Jesus said. You remember when he gave that illustration of, of building a house on the sand. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus said, Why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation upon a rock. And when the flood arose, a stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that is without a foundation, built upon the house, uh, built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. The difference between these two. They both heard the same message. They might have both understood the same message. One did it. One didn't do it. One obeyed and the other just heard. Folks, it doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter that you know the Bible, that you know the, the lessons and you could lead somebody to Christ or you, you know dispensations of the Old Testament and, and the, you know everything about it. You, you know prophecy. You know what the Bible says about this. You, you've got all of the, you, man, you could teach the Bible. So what? Are you following the Bible? Take heed unto thyself, first it says. We're going to get to the doctrine, the teaching of the Bible in a little bit, but the first admonition or warning is, hey, check yourself. How are you doing with the truth of the Word of God? Are you following it? Not just hearing it, not just knowing it, not just teaching it. Do you obey it? 
Remember Samson? Oh, man. What an example of somebody who knew the truth. He understood the truth. He knew the problems. He knew the difficulties. But regardless of that, he didn't obey. In his life, in Judges chapter 16, we won't go through that whole thing where, uh, you know, because of his consecration to the Lord, uh, there was a vow that he was to keep once a year and let his hair grow out long and then he was going to take the hair and cut it and, and bring it to the altar. There was a, a Nazarite would do that. And uh, his strength was in his consecration to God. And, uh, and, and it had to do with obeying and, and, and being where God was, you know, uh, could bless him. And you know the story when uh, Bathsheba uh, got a hold of him and, and, you know, tempted him and she wanted, I'm sorry, not Bathsheba. Delilah, yeah. <laughs> it was Delilah, right? I don't know how, why anybody would name their kid Bathsheba or Delilah, but people do. You know, um, nonetheless, here's Delilah. She comes and she's, she's uh, tempting him and, and saying, uh, you know, where's your strength lie? And uh, Judges 16, verse number 7, Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green widths that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. A green width, what is that? That reminds me of like a, um, a blade of grass. You know, you've seen those long blades of grass. He said, you take a, a green width and tie it. Well, it's got no strength there. It's but strange, it's weird. That's what it is. That's where my, uh, you know, unusual power comes from. You take uh, seven green widths and I mean, he's just messing with her. That's the furthest thing from the truth. That had nothing to do with reality. He knew he knew where his strength lied. All the time he knew. All the time. It was in his consecration, his obedience to the Lord. And he was not obeying, not obeying, not obeying. And so she puts three, uh, seven green widths around him. And uh, in verse 9, now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the widths as a thread of toe is broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. And then she gets back with him, and she's crying about it and saying, oh, man, tell me. And then he says in verse 11, if they bind me fast with new ropes. I mean, ropes haven't been used before. There's something about that's magical. If they bind me with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak, be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait. How do you like that? Wouldn't you be a, like to, to be a liar in wait? What's your job? I'm a liar in wait. <laughs> what do you do all day? Well, I lie in wait. And anyway, so they were liars in wait. Samson, the Philistines be upon He got up and busted some Philistine heads, you know, and it was like, what happened? The ropes were supposed to. He was just messing with her, wasn't he? He was just playing with her. And now she's getting, she's getting really uptight. Uh, and then uh, verse 13, and, and Delilah said unto Samson, Hither to us, I'll mock me, and told me lies, tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. <laughs> and he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web, and you know, take my long hair and you put it in these locks, then I'll be weak. That wasn't it. He knew that if he had cut his hair, then he'd, he'd lost his power. It was not true, was it? Oh, but it was closer to the truth, wasn't it? 
seven green widths. That's got nothing to do with it. New ropes, nothing to do with it. Now he's getting close. He's getting close. And he says, now if you take my, my hair and put it in, you know, weave it in locks, then I'm going to be powerless. She does that. And Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. He gets up the liars and he beats them up, you know. <laughs> and there's, and uh, then finally, in verse uh, 17, says, now I've been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb if I be shaven. Now that's it. See, the thing about Samson's story is all the time Samson knew the truth. He was familiar with the truth. He, he, he utilized the truth. He knew what God said. He knew the truth. He, he, that didn't, it didn't matter whether he knew it or not. It's whether he was obeying it or not. He didn't personally follow the truth. He didn't personally obey the word, the word of God, the instruction of God. But he knew all about it. Folks, the Bible works. It's indestructible, it's powerful, it's effective, and it's true. But that doesn't mean that it always works with you or with me. Why not? Because I'm not always applying it. I'm not always following it. If I was obedient to it, yes. But the question is, um, watch yourself. Take heed unto thyself. Check yourself. That's what we need to do. We need to check whether or not we're following the, 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 uh, the Lord, his instruction. The Bible always works, uh, but the, the weak link is us. That's why the Bible urges us to take heed unto thyself. Watch yourself, your own walk, your own heart, your own obedience. Number two, this is how we can save ourselves and those around us is check ourselves. Number two, checking the scriptures. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Now we're talking about what the Bible teaches, what the Bible says, you know, everything that the Bible teaches and what God, he says, hey, make sure that you take heed to the teachings of the word of God. Watch the teachings of the Bible. Take heed to what it says, what it teaches, what it commands, what it forbids. Know the word. Learn the word of God. Follow the word of God. Teach the word of God. And he's saying, hey, take heed unto what the Bible is teaching. I'm continually amazed at how believers in search of a church, they pay so little attention to the teachings of that church. They'll look at, I don't know, the, the pews, if it's comfortable, or the programs, or uh, the bathrooms. Hey, we're going to get some new bathrooms soon. Yeah. Um, and you know what? We might, we might have more people join the church because of our bathrooms. Wonderful. But you know what? I would like for people to walk in the doors and say, what do you teach? Where do you stand? What do you teach around here? Is it upon the word of God? Is it upon, squarely upon the principles of God's word? There's, there's so few believers that they pay so little attention to the teachings of the church, how closely it follows divine instruction. The, the, the word of God is just like a puzzle. If everything is not in place where it belongs, and there's going to be some things that are out of whack, that don't fit. Everything fits in perfectly in the word of God. And, uh, and it, what uh, Paul was telling uh, Timothy is check the scriptures. Take heed unto the doctrine. How can we take heed to the scriptures? Well, verify it. Uh, chapter and verse. What does the Bible say? You know, every once in a while, somebody come up with some weird things, wild doctrines, and they, they believe something. What I like to, a very good response is chapter and verse. 
where is that found in the Bible? You, you say, this is the truth? Well, show me. Show me where that is. How about chapter and verse? Uh, Acts 17, 11. These were more noble than those in South Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scripture to see whether those things were true. Is that what Paul's preaching? Is that right? So they, they searched the scripture. Well, wait a minute. Sure enough, yeah, he's right. You know what? They verified what he was saying in the Bible. So how can we take heed to the scripture? Verify it. Acts 17, verse 2. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. It was the Bible that they used. It was the Bible that, and only the word of God, not men's teachings. It was chapter and verse. Uh, Paul, well, you know, we, we say chapter and verse for Paul, but, you know, the, the chapters and the verses were actually uh, given in, I don't know, it was, uh, uh, 1200 AD or something like that. I can't remember wh when the chapters and verse came, verses came in. But uh, what I'm talking about is go to the, to the point of Scripture and say, this is it. This is why we stand here. This is what the, the Bible, point to the, 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 the uh, uh, teaching, the doctrine of the Word of God. How can we take heed to the scriptures? Verify it. Recognize the consistency of it. See, the, the safety of good godly men is in verse number 14 of our text. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 14. Remember this verse, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, or the, 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 the foretelling of the word of God. That's talking about the Bible. With the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. The laying on of the hands of the presbytery. We already covered that. It was a group of solid Bible preachers that got together that, that verified another's knowledge of the word of God. And you know what? They, they were given respect because of their knowledge of the Bible, because of, of what they knew, what, what, the, what they understood, and, and they, were, they were consistent. They were powerful in the scriptures. And so it was this group of solid Bible preachers. You see... Others will agree in the, the, the word of God when it's, when it's proper doctrine that's, that's, uh, that should be taught. There's, right now, there's um, an example of some Canadian brother, brothers or some friends of mine that are in prison today. It was about a week or two ago uh, there in Quebec. There was a raid by the RMC, the uh, Royal... Canadian police, the Royal Mountain, RMCP, and, uh, and they, they raided the church. They put the pastor and the, and the pastor's wife in prison, and the charges are like as long as my arm. Uh, there were several accounts of child abuse, um, not sexual child abuse, but uh, you know, punishment or corporal punishment abuse, improper church discipline, uh, shunning. There's also some, you know, that's what what the civil civil charges were. And uh, biblically, I've known for some years that there's some wacky doctrines that were that they held to because of they were ingrown, they abound abounded in wacky weird doctrines. Salvation connected with the church or wiped out church fellowship practices. You know, you leave this church church and you're not saved. Well, where are you getting that stuff? Where are you getting this junk? But you know what? The, the problem was they were like an, uh, two or three churches, an echo chamber unto themselves, and, and they, weren't, they weren't taking the advice or warning from other preachers or other 
of believers that knew the word of God and getting in a, in a terrible mess. They didn't heed the checks and the balances of the practices and teachings of other New Testament churches and brothers and, and godly counsel and biblical admonition of others. See, folks, heresy is not always direct contradiction of the truth, but sometimes it's an over-exaggeration of the truth. In the safety of a biblical defense against falling off the edge, there must be a consistency with real churches of God through the years. In Acts, they got together to check one's doctrines and practices. While there's no authoritative hierarchy or pecking order, there is the respect and the honorable consideration of good godly men who have proven themselves in the work and the, and the word of God. And that's where Paul is saying, you know, and he mentions that in verse number 14 about uh, the, the presbytery, other, other good men that know the word of God. So what we, we need to do is we need to recognize consistency. How do you check the scriptures? You verify. You, you recognize consistency. The context. You know, whatever the Bible teaches, whatever you can't just pull something out and take that for, for truth. I see that all the time. People that are taking something, even if it's a bad example, they'll, they'll take it out and they'll use that and they'll say, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, God's not telling you to do that. To quit putting out fleeces, for goodness sake. You know, that's it's not an example of what to do. It's, it's an example of somebody doing something that's wrong, something that's off, that, that God tolerated, you know, in, in that, you know, particular case. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse number 8. This is what they did. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. This is when they read the word of God before the people. This is a church service that they had. What they did was, there's a few things there. They, first of all, they read the word of God distinctly. Everybody heard it and they could understand what was being said because it was distinct. It was clear. Okay, so they read the, uh, the book of the law of God distinctly. They gave the sense. You know what that means? That means uh, the context, the setting. Who's speaking? Who is he talking to? What is he, what is it, you know, how does this apply? Okay, to them. How does it apply to us or does it? You know, they gave the sense. They caused them to understand the reading. They kept it in the context. This is what the Bible said here. This is what it meant to those people. Now, what does it mean to, to us? They caused them, them to understand, okay, now, what does that mean to me? There were proper divisions, context, and biblical harmony. It's the, it's the proper hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the science and the art of biblical interpretation. If one applies all the basic tools of proper hermeneutics, then he's not going to be able to get too far off of the interpretation of the Scripture. He'll come up with the same conclusions. If a believer just gets saved in a hypothetical situation, they're uh, cast off into a um, deserted island, and they're there for 10 years with only one thing, the Bible. They get saved, they have the Word of God, they have the Bible, but that's it. They don't have the con uh, uh, commentaries or anybody else's opinion or anybody else's uh, position. If they were a believer to be stranded on a desert island for 10 years with nothing but the Bible, he'd come out a Baptist. <laughs> that's, that's true. Because uh, a Baptist is a Biblicist. They're going to read the Word of God and say, okay, well, that's what it is right there. That's what it is. And, and anybody that reads the Word of God should come to the same conclusions. 
And, it, and by the way, it's, it's amazing how similar that there are groups that, that have done that in the past, historically. They're, they're out in these mountains or whatever, and they, all they have is the Word of God, and, and then they're connected with others later, and it, they, they believe the same thing. Well, amen, what a blessing. Some are Baptist, and they don't even know it, because a Baptist is a Biblicist. Like I say, every once in a while, I'll come across somebody that's in this neighborhood, and they're not satisfied with what's going on around them in churches, and they're not satisfied with what's being taught, and, and, every, and then they hear the Word of God, and it, bing, it's true, and it rings true, and they know it's true. And, and, and it's like they're a, a Baptist all along, just didn't know it, you know, and, and here they are. But you know what, if, if somebody was on a desert island and just had the Bible and that's it, no other influence, they would not turn out to be a Mormon. They would not turn out to be a Jehovah's Witness or a Catholic uh, without some man's teaching, without some church's teaching. Uh, listen to this. This comes from the Watchtower. teaches that it's essential in understanding the Bible. The Watchtower is the uh, uh, Jehovah's Witness uh, publication. Their magazine that comes out to all their, uh, their uh, uh, followers, the cult Jehovah's Witnesses, and they all learn from, they all gain from the, the, uh, the uh, voice, uh, the, the teaching arm of the JWs, of the Jehovah's Witness organization. But it teaches that the Watchtower, that publication, is essential in understanding the Bible. In their article, quote, do we need help to understand the Bible? This is what the Watchtower said in, in uh, uh, see, this, uh, February 15th, 1981, page 19. I quote, this is what it, they tell us. We all, need to help, uh, we all need help to understand the Bible, and we cannot find the scriptural guidance we need outside the faithful and discreet slave organization. They're talking about the Watchtower organization. They're saying you will never find the truth in the Bible if you don't have us to tell you what it is. If you don't have the Watchtower publication. If you don't have you know, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the discreet slave, that's what they call themselves. Did you hear what they said? We all need help to understand the Bible, and you'll never get it. You'll never uh, find the scriptural guidance that we need outside of what they're putting out, the, the faithful, discreet slave organization. Oh, so we can't become a Jehovah's Witness without Jehovah's Witness literature, can we? Because they said that's what you need. This is what they said, and knowing, uh, knowing the Bible is only possible, uh, knowing that the Bible is only possible through the Watchtower organization. In their article... Praise Jehovah with his people in Watchtower, uh, see, July 1st, 1973, page 401. This is what they said, quote, Only this organization, we're talking about the Watchtower or Jehovah's Witnesses, only this organization functions for Jehovah's purpose and to his praise. To it alone, God's sacred word, the Bible, is not a sealed book. Only to the Jehovah's Witnesses, only to this cult, the Bible is opened. But to everybody else, it's a sealed book. Did you hear that? Now, let me read that again. Only this organization functions for Jehovah's purposes and to his praise. To it alone, Jehovah's Witnesses, to it alone, God's sacred word, the Bible, is not a sealed book. But to everybody else, it's a, they're saying, you know what? If you read just the Bible, you, you'll never find the truth. Something's wrong with that. Folks, something is bad wrong with that. We couldn't know the Bible without the Watchtower. 
No, no, like I said, if, if here's a person that gets stranded on a desert island and they only had the Bible, he'd turn out a believer like you and I that would take the Bible for what it says. There's instances of believers, like I said, in different parts of the world that were kind of cloistered, ended up amazingly similar in doctrine because of the anointing of the Spirit, of the Spirit of God. The Bible says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. You know, there's people going to be telling lies. There's people going to be getting you off track. There's people that are going to be uh, heretics, uh, uh, pushing cult uh, doctrines. He says, I've written you concerning of them that seduce you, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. You know what God says? You don't need anybody else. You don't need the Watchtower organization. You don't need any of that stuff. That's what God says. Now, JW say, you need us to get the truth. And God says, uh, you need not that any man teach you. Okay, now, one saying one thing, one saying another. How about we allow God to be true and let every man be a liar? That's which one of the titles of their books, by the way. <laughs> let God be true. How about we just let God be true there? Because he says, you don't need anybody. As long as you got the Spirit of God, you got the Word of God, he will lead you in all truth. He'll, he'll explain things. He'll make it clear to you, and you get it. You don't need anybody's... Uh, anybody's input on that. So uh, anyway, so what I said, how can we heed the to the scriptures? We'll verify it, recognize consistency, keep it in the context, um, complete Bible teaching. The whole Bible goes together, folks. It harmonizes. It's one unit of consistent truth in total agreement with all other parts. It's amazing, and it's unique. Folks, the Bible's been written over a time of about 1,400 years, or I can't remember, 2,600 years, with, uh, uh, I can't remember how many authors. There's uh, somebody, somebody can help me with this. We went through this not, not too long ago in the class. But anyway, uh, there's been scores of different authors that were peasants and priests and farmers and, and over a long period of time, and it's got 66 books, it's all put together in one book here, and it's consistent. There are no contradictions. There are people all the time are saying, well, there are contradictions in the Bible. That's a, that's a joke. Whenever anybody says there's contradictions in the Bible, just hand them my Bible here. Show me one. Just one. Come on, one. I've been preaching the Bible for a long time, some near 40 years, and uh, there's, there's not. I've not seen one. Not one valid one. Oh, every once in a while there's somebody who says, oh, there's a contradiction right there. And it's like, come on, get out of here. That's not a contradiction. You just don't understand what the Word of God says here. And you understand that there is no contradictions. Folks, to have a book like that, and it all harmonizes, and it all goes together, and there's, there's people from all kinds. Two people can't write in the same book without contradicting one another. And you got this book. It's, it's amazing. It's unique. Luke chapter 24, verse 27 and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What Jesus did then on the road to Emmaus, he took the, the Old Testament, which is all they had at the time, 
all the Old Testament, that was Moses, that's the first five books of the Bible, uh, the books of Moses, all of the law, all of the prophets, the, the major and the minor prophets, all of everything in the Bible, as it says, uh, all the scriptures, Jesus took the entire Old Testament and said, see, look, this, me. See this right here? This, me. It's right here. This points to me. He took the whole thing. This, me. He took the entire, all the scriptures, and, and as it says, uh, he expounded unto them the things concerning himself. Why? Because the entire Bible is, is one book. It's, one, it's, it's consistent. That's really cool. Acts chapter 28, verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him, to Paul, unto his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. See, folks, it's all harmonious. The entire word of God, it all goes together. It all fits like a book. And it is. It's a, it's a book. So uh, how do you... How do you uh, um, take heed to the scriptures while you uh, look at its complete Bible teaching. Okay, so there's three things. Remember I said three things of how that, that you can save yourself and those around you. What does it say? Number one, it says we're to check ourselves. Timothy, take heed unto thyself. Number two, check the scriptures. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Number three, check your steadiness, your consistency. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. And then he says, continue in them. Stay the course. Not up and down, not all over the place. Be consistent. Continue in them, in the scripture. It's not the beginner, but it's the continuer that wins. The one that keeps the fig tree eats the fruit. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs 27, verse 18. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. If you keep the fig tree, my dad had uh, figs and peaches and uh, apricots and different trees in the backyard that he would grow. It'd just be like a little garden of Eden. And my mom is interesting because she was a regular mom that uh, uh, changed the furniture all the time. <laughs> so she wanted this peach tree. No, I want that over there. So my dad would get it out and he'd move the tree, you know, and then it, it go through trauma. Whenever those of you that know trees and plants, uh, it go through trauma and it'd take a couple of years to kind of recover from that, get the roots uh, properly set in and then be able to produce fruit. And then she'd say, uh, you know what? The fig tree should be over here on this side. Now put some flowers over there. And so she'd change that. And then the next year she comes, you know, the flowers look better here. So let's, let's take the apricot tree and put it over. And, and, you know, when she would do that, uh, the, the trees didn't come to fruit. They, they were damaged. <laughs> but, you know, there was, was some trees in there that, man, they produced. You know why? They stayed. He kept them where they were. You see, the way that you can save yourself and others around you is if you continue. You stay. Don't, don't mess around. Don't, don't keep jumping around. Don't keep on uh, uh, jumping up here and there and, and up and down and in and out. No, no. Be consistent. Um, the one that keeps the fig tree eats the fruit. The law of returns on an investment is only realized if the funds are left alone to grow. You can't put them in, take them out continually, and expect to have a great return at your retirement. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work in the scriptures, folks. How do you, how do you uh, show this in your life? You continue 
in the scripture. Continue. You be steady. Leviticus 18.5, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. You know that phrase, if a man do, if a man wants to get into my word, it takes your life, your whole life. You don't say, well, yeah, now we want to be a Christian. Now we want to follow the Lord. And then, you know, Tuesday you're out there doing whatever. And, well, you know, uh, I'll repent later. And, and then later on you get right and you, you're in and you're out and you're up and you're down and you're hot and you're cold. No, no. You've got you to gotta give your life to it to see the, the fruit of this. And so that's why it says, if you want to get into the word of God, which if, um, if a man do, he shall live in them. That phrase is over and over and over in the word of God. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 29 Testified against them that thou mightest bring them again unto the law, yet they dealt proudly and hearkened not unto thy commandments. Talking about the word of God. But sinned against thy judgments. Talking about the Bible. Which if a man do, he shall live in them. Listen, you, you can't just say, well, yeah, that's good to consider. No, no. You want to get in, you get in. And you get out, you get out. Just like Yoda says, you know, there is no try. You know, you've got to do it or you don't do it. You get in and you follow it, or you don't follow it. Which if a man do, he shall live in it, live in them. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 11. And I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments. Talking about the word of God. Which if a man do, he shall even live in them, God says. Listen, if you're going to get in the word of God, you're going to be consistent in it all your life. And that's where you find fruit. That's where you find blessings. That's where you saved yourself and those around. You know, I've seen people that are in church and out of church and this and that. And you know what happens to their kids? And there's no fruit. Then I've seen folks that, I mean, they're planted. They're, they're solid. They're faithful. And they're going to remain faithful. And you know what? Their lives are blessed. They're blessed. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And their, their leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. Which if a man do, he shall live in them. Ezekiel 20, verse 13. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not my statutes, and they despised my judgments. You're talking about the Bible. Which if a man do, he shall even live in them. Look at verse 21. Notwithstanding, the children of Israel rebelled against me. They walked not my statutes, neither kept my judgments. That's talking about the word of God to do them. Which if a man do, he shall live in them. I mean, you live in the word of God. That's how you save yourself and those around you. Take heed unto thyself. Make sure you're, you're obeying, walking in it, uh, applying it. Take heed unto the doctrine and what the Bible teaches, the, the teachings of the word of God. And continue. Real simple, isn't it? You know what? You do that, you'll save yourself and those around you. For the Bible to do any good, one has to be consistent with it. Not in and out, hot and cold, up and down. Consistent. You live in it. How do we save those around us? Our text, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Check yourself. Check the scriptures, check your steadiness. For in so doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and those around you, them that hear thee. Lord, thank you so much.